It's Wired, the Pistons podcast, presented by Chief. Here's your host, Matt Derry. And welcome in, everybody. It is another edition of Wired, the Pistons podcast, as we get you ready for game number three, first playoff game at Little Caesars Arena for any sport, as the Pistons are back in town for games three and four, Saturday night at eight, Monday night at eight, and we hope that Monday's game has some meaning. As the Pistons find themselves down two games to none to the Bucks, after Milwaukee took care of home business and uh, used Game 2's second half to kind of run away from the Pistons, put up another 120-point burger on Detroit, and now the Pistons have to regroup, come home, possibly without Blake Griffin, and get the job done to force just the series to have some meaning, to have some excitement, to have some length, as it's Detroit and Milwaukee for Game 3. We'll preview it coming up in a second with NBA analysts from ESPN and our good buddy, the former Piston, Damon Jones. That's right, 3D will be back on Pistons Airwaves. If you recall, way back in the day, we're talking, I believe it was 2001, 2002, uh, Damon Jones, or maybe it was 0203, I'd have to look this up, but Damon Jones was a regular on our Pistons Tonight postgame shows. Um, actually, it was 0102 when it was Chucky Atkins at the point, and Damon was the backup. And Damon was a uh, kind of a vagabond around the league, a guy that made made his rounds, but really toward the end of his career became an excellent, excellent shooter and a three point weapon for teams. And now working for ESPN, we'll get uh, 3D's thoughts on this series coming up uh, just in a minute here. But again, Pistons and Bucks will play games three and four coming up this weekend. Uh, Saturday and Monday, the story with Blake Griffin remains the same. Day-to-day, uh, Dwayne Casey hopeful that he can get out there after a, uh, a practice on Thursday and uh, uh, practice a little bit more on Friday and, and play some on Saturday night. Blake Griffin is is everything to this organization and has been everything all year and played 75 out of the 82 games, a couple of those being rest nights. But it just so happens that at the end of the season, the left knee starts barking, and it just puts the Pistons in a, in a predicament because they were so used to having him out there as their leader, their floor general. Yes, a power forward handling the point. Uh-huh. He did everything. And what a boost I think it would be to the team if he could play Saturday night. Um, but but I'm no doctor. I don't think anybody out there listening uh, can tell us anything about this knee. The Pistons are keeping it close to the vest, which I would understand. There's no reason to come out and declare him out. Uh, you have an hour before the game before you need to do that. So Detroit, hopeful they can get him back. Again, game two, just a quick thought about what I expected. I knew the Pistons would come out and battle and give a better effort than they did in game one. The problem with game two was the third quarter. They came out of halftime and just got bombarded. They couldn't stop Milwaukee in transition. Shots that were falling in the first half were, were not falling in the second half. Uh, Luke Kennard again had a very good game in Game 2 and continues to play well. And I like the pace at which Reggie Jackson's playing with right now. But this team needs Blake Griffin back in a big way. And let's hope he can be out there for Saturday night's pivotal and big Game 3 at Little Caesars Arena. All right, we promised you a guest, and here he is, ESPN NBA analyst, longtime NBA player, former Piston, former Buck. It's our good buddy Damon Jones uh, joining me. What's up, 3D? I'm doing good, man. How are you, man? Glad to, glad to be on with you. I know. It's a pleasure. Great to hear your voice. I love the work you're doing on TV. How crazy has that been this year to go from you know assistant coaching to television? Well, I mean, you know, it's, it's part of the business. Uh, uh, we 
got let go early on in the year, and and I appreciate uh, ESPN for giving me the the opportunity to come on and and talk everything NBA. Take take me through all of these series, but let's let's start with the Pistons and the Bucks. And I don't need to go through every series, but but Damon, when you watch these games, how difficult is it to gauge where Detroit is without Blake Griffin? Well, it's tough. I mean, because he he is the uh, spoon or straw that that stirs the drink, and uh, with him not being out there, uh, it puts all those other guys in tougher positions to have to step their game up and and do things that. You know, probably they haven't done all year, and that's try to score more points. When you look at it, what can Dwayne Casey do in terms of trying to get a victory, obviously, Saturday night and get back in this series? But how difficult of a task is that, and how, how much does he have to change what they're doing offensively? Well, I think he, he had a great game plan uh, the last game that they played where, uh, you know, they were up one point going into halftime. Uh, in game two where he kind of slowed the pace down and made the Bucks play in a half court. But, you know, when, when you, when you're missing almost 27, 28 points, uh, I, I don't know what he could do at this point to, uh, change what they're doing offensively to get, you know, guys that, like I said, haven't scored, uh, at the pace that they, that he needs them to score at for them to be competitive in this series. Damon Jones with me from ESPN, longtime, of course, NBA guard, former Piston. Uh, back in the uh, Rick Carlisle days where we had a lot of fun uh, doing post-game shows together. Now, Damon, of course, on ESPN, like I said. All right, when you look at at the Pistons from a coaching perspective, you said it's it's difficult to change what you do on the fly without your best player. Uh, what, what about getting on? Do you want Andre Drummond more involved offensively, or, or is he kind of is what he is on that end of the floor? Well, I mean, he, he kind of is what he is. I mean, you, you can uh... – Obviously, throwing the ball a little bit more and see if he could get you some production, some more production. But you know that's not how they've played all year. They've played you know a pick and roll style of basketball where they open up the floor and and Blake Griffin is able to to take advantage of uh, the mismatch that most times on a night to night basis that he has with with power forwards guarding. What about him having to defend Giannis sometimes? Did you like that the other night? Yeah, I, I think it, it, it gives them um, a good good way to kind of neutralize Giannis because Drummond is a bigger guy and, and you know, he can back off of him. And, and when uh, Giannis is going to the basket, he has length. Uh, he also has girth that, you know, he can make it difficult on him. But, you know, like I said, you know, defense is one thing, but you have to be able to put the ball in the basket and uh, – Right now, I think they're, they're struggling doing that. That was my next question because obviously Milwaukee can score it, and, and they've scored the ball all year to a, to the pace of you know 118 or so a game. They put up a buck 20 the other night. Do you have to? Do you almost have to go into a mentality, almost like football, Damon, where you uh, you know, have to feel like you have to outscore the opponent in terms of maybe you just can't stop them? And the game's different now in the way it's called, right? Yeah, it is, but you know. Uh... They they score in so many ways, and I think if if you could keep them out of transition and and uh, you know take away the three point shot, which is you know been totally difficult for a lot of teams this year. That's why they have the best record uh, in the NBA is because they 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 thrive in transition and they have a lot of guys that shoot the three uh, very well. So uh, you you have to you have to do a little bit of both. You have to take away. Uh, I, I would think the three-point shot, 
Uh, and offensively, I, I think you have to, you know, change the tempo of the game. But then when you change the tempo of the game offensively, if you're the Pistons, then you kind of play into what Milwaukee is good at, and that's playing in transition. So, I mean, it's, it's a tough situation, like I said, uh, without your best player being out there. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, for, for Coach Casey, who's been a good coach and a really, really good coach uh, this year, I think, uh, it's, a, it's a tall task. As a former point guard and a guy that handled the basketball enough, uh, are you a fan of, of Reggie Jackson? Yeah, I like I like Reggie. I, I think you know Reggie is one of those one of those guys that has to be more assertive and and score the basketball a little bit more uh, than he's done to this point to to make up for the scoring that's missed by Blake Griffin. And Ish Smith's a guy that I think the organization really likes. He's going to be a free agent at the end of the year, but he's he's going to make himself some money, is he not in the off season? Oh yes, he is, and and I, I love Ish Smith. He, he's. He's a guy that comes in and changes tempo, and he gets a lot of people involved. Uh, he's going to do well in the free agent market, I think, and you know, I wish him the best. God, where was that money when you were playing, right, buddy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying, man. The way the guys are shooting threes these days, and and they're, they're getting a lot of money uh, doing so. Uh, but uh, you know, hey, it's it's changing up the guard, changing up the game, and you know, it's a a great product to see, and, and I really enjoy it. Talking to Damon Jones, our old buddy, former Piston and former Buck. All right, Detroit comes home Saturday night, and obviously down 0-2 and without Blake Griffin, and we'll see if he plays, but uh, it's it's doubtful. What what does home court advantage mean, and, and what are your thoughts, by the way, on Little Caesars Arena now that uh, the team has moved out of the Palace? Well, I mean, Detroit has always been a place where, you know, it, it's always been tough to get wins in. Uh, the Little Caesar Arena is is a beautiful stadium. Um, I, I wish that, you know, more people would come out and support. Uh, this is their first playoff game at home. So, uh, we have to see what the, what the fan, fan base is like. And hopefully they can generate some energy off of, of the crowd and, and make it a competitive game. Is there, do you look at the NBA, and obviously we, we've talked about it on this podcast, how, how in the NHL, like, there's really no home ice advantage. All these road teams are winning. How big is home court from for the players' standpoint and sleeping in their own beds? Or do you like being on the road where you're in the hotel, it's just you and the guys, and, and you kind of have that bunker mentality? Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's a big thing, especially for your role players, because, you know, we, we've seen over the course of time that, uh, role, role players play very well at home, and uh, hopefully the guys that uh, are around Drummond and, and around Reggie Jackson can, you know, step their game up and also step their production up at home to, to make up for the loss of Blake Griffin if he doesn't play in Game 3. I also think, and I think you'd agree with me on this, Luke Kennard showing up big in Games 1 and 2 on the road can only bring him so much more confidence at home, Correct. Well, Luke Kennard is a good player, and uh, he shoots the ball extremely well. He, he's doing some things uh, in the pick and roll and putting the ball on the floor. Uh, I think uh, Dwayne Casey has done a great job of instilling confidence in him to, you know, make the jump that he's made from uh, last year to this year, as far as his production is concerned. And you hope that you know he continues to play well, and you get some some needed help or needed production from other guys that uh, can help them like 
you know, stay in the game and, and hopefully make it a game. And, and down the stretch, you, you give yourself an opportunity to win. Tell me about defensively what they do. I mean, you've had to be in these meetings and, and do the scouting reports when you were with the Cavs the last couple of years on Giannis. I mean, how do you stop this guy? Well, number one, you have to keep him out of transition because uh, he, he's, I mean, he's putting his head down and he's getting to the basket. He's getting to the free throw line. He's helping uh, his team get into the bonus. And and one thing that, you know, I don't think a lot of people look at is that, you know, he's also creating offense for other guys. And that's where uh, the Milwaukee Bucks three-point game comes from is, is that, you know, Giannis is, is creating so much of a mismatch and he's drawing two and three defenders and, and he's kicking out and guys are making threes. So uh, first you have to keep him out of transition and hopefully uh, in a half court situation, you can, you know, force him to, to shoot a lot of jump shots. I know you've worked with LeBron. You played with LeBron. How close is Giannis to that? You know, obviously hasn't won a championship yet and hasn't done what LeBron's done, but in terms of the physicality and, and, and how good he is with the basketball, are, are there are those comparisons fair or unfair? Uh, I, I, you know, I, I don't I do not do the whole comparison thing as far as players are concerned. You know, LeBron is is a generational player. Uh, I think Giannis is he's on the track to be a special player. Uh, I just, you know, the, their games are, are totally different to me because, you know, LeBron is a guy that, uh, you know, affects the game in so many different ways. You know, can Giannis get there? Yeah, he's only 24 years old, and and uh, hopefully he, he continues to, to grow his game and grow into it. But, you know, the comparison, I, I, I don't see it. I got to get you on the horn with somebody from the Bucks. Maybe you can help him with the three ball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm still shooting it at, at a high clip. Are you? As usual. As usual. And, uh, you know, like I said, if, if I was – able to play in today's game oh, man. all the open three-pointers that, that are being uh, taken out here, I, I would uh, I would make a, a great career out of it. I mean, uh, Damon, the, the I, I don't remember which, I think it was Houston and Utah game one the other night. I don't know how many times I saw a guy go in for a layup uncontested and just finish at the rim. All they had to do was lay it in. And they're kicking yeah. it and they're kicking it out for threes. It's almost like the two-point shot is officially uh, you know gone from the league. Uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of teams... Or using the three-point shot as as an advantage, and um, you know it's it's the great equalizer in today's game. You know you're never out of the game if if you're able to to make three-point shots, and and teams are are using it to their advantage. Tell me about the Bucks a little bit, uh, other than Giannis. When you look at that team and what Mike Budenholzer, uh, Budenholzer has done, uh, what's the biggest difference maybe to me, for you for them, maybe from last year to this year? Well, I think they they play they play with a different pace and and you know the versatility of you know guys being able to play pick and roll and and a lot of guys you know out there shooting the three. I think Mike Budenholzer came in with a system where you know we're going to space the floor, we're going to let Giannis uh, do his thing in isolation, and you know guys just be ready to shoot and and they have been successful with that all year. I think they uh, led the league in wins from start to finish, and they've been consistent all year. And I think you you give uh, their consistency uh, to the way that Giannis approaches the game every night. 
Are they going to win the, the Eastern Conference? Do you think if you had to make a pick? Uh, I don't. I don't have them winning the East. Um, I have uh, the Philadelphia 76ers winning the East. And what I've said on TV a couple times, I just think that um, the Sixers have uh, the most dominant player in the Eastern Conference, uh, and Joel Embiid and the things that he can uh, do on the basketball floor, and with the additions of Tobias Harris and and Jimmy Butler and and uh, Ben Simmons, I, I think they're they're my favorite to win these. Don't forget about Boban. I <laughs> <laughs> oh, love Boban. Love Boban. Oh man, he was splashing home eighteen footers last night. Yeah, love Boban. I mean, think about it. It's it, it's crazy. So let me ask you quickly. Last thing you mentioned, we mentioned the three point shot before and the weapon that it is, and, and how it's being used. Good for the game, or do you think it's getting to be a little bit out of control? think it's great for the game uh it, it's it has increased scoring uh to levels that we haven't seen before and i think with the increased scoring and and you know the, the dramatics of of the game and the three-point shot i think it, it adds viewership and uh, you know as long as you can keep the fans engaged and continue to watch the product i think it's it's good for the game how difficult is it for the Pistons then to build going forward? Because the roster is not, I mean, I guess when everything's running through Blake and you have Andre Drummond, is it difficult now in today's NBA to have that kind of you know, roster makeup because of how the game has changed? Not really because, you know, Blake Griffin hasn't improved at shooting a three-point shot. And, and, you know, you could go to lineups where he's your five. And, you know, to a small ball lineup and you have, you know, four guards or, or three guards and two forwards out there. And, and, you know, you push the pace and, and guys being able to shoot threes. You know, I just think that uh, it's on the front office to go, to go and, and, and surround those guys with, you know, guys who can make the three as well as play pick and roll. Kind of crazy how many Joe Dumars disciples are running teams now, right, D, with uh, John Hammond and, and John Horst, Ryan Hoover's in Milwaukee. It's a, it's a nice tree. Is it Jeff Weltman? It's kind of cool. Yeah, it's it's cool, and, and those guys, uh, you know, paid their dues, and, and now they're getting the opportunity to go out and show, you know, what they've learned over the course of their career in, in, in other positions, and and, uh, and it's great. All right, Damon, love catching up, my friend. We'll see. look for you next week on ESPN. All the best, as always, and uh, thanks so much for a couple minutes. Always a pleasure with you, Derry Man. Man, always fun to catch up with my guy, 3D Damon Jones, the former Detroit Piston guard and also a member of the Milwaukee Bucks, played with the Heat, the Cavs, and uh, was an assistant coach under the, the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers, Ty Lue, at the start of this season, but was let go when Lue was let go when Larry Drew took over on an interim basis, and Damon now doing some work for ESPN. And we love hearing from him, and we appreciate him joining me here on Wired. That'll do it for this edition. We'll preview Game 4 over the weekend. Matt Derry with you with Wired, brought to you by Jeep. Go Pistons, and we'll talk to you this weekend.